you mentioned that uh, throughout your college career here at LBC that you started planning the business model for Red Accordion Studios. What what are the some of the unique things that you have to plan or model for for a theater company slash vocal studios as opposed mm. to other businesses? Uh, there's a lot that's different. And one of the main things is the like your target audience or your target, I mean, I say audience because theater, right. but um, your, your target customer. And there's a huge thing you have to go through to figure this out and it has to be very specific and all of that kind of stuff. And for me, the theater company that I wanted to create actually was me wanting to make something different for the actors. Mm. So I was kind of working from the inside out, which is not really how you're supposed to do things. But I'm like, but that's what I want to do. Like I want to create opportunities for actors and pay them. And that's, you know, pay them well, fairly. Yeah. And so that was, that was the biggest motivator. And just to have like create that, um, I don't know, that, that atmosphere that I wanted it to be like, that was my main motivator in starting it. And aside from like, I love to put up shows of course, <laughs> and, right. you know, figure that out. Um, yeah. So who all did you take inspiration from or who all did you, uh, I don't know if this is a thing that you did, but did you base, look at other people's theater models and look at those at all and compare? Um, a little bit. I know that there was, I know that there was some of that in my classwork, um, digging into things. Um, and yeah, even so far as uh, just a, a mission statement, whoops, as I hit the <laughs> that screen, um, a mission statement and things like that. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know that there was any, any one specific thing. It was more just from my own experiences mm. and then what the experiences of my students. So most of my voice studio are adults um, and they're professionals and they're working currently. So um, just seeing their experiences and their frustrations or, you know, or the good things that happen to them in various theaters or whatever. So through all of those things, through my students and through our own experiences, my husband and myself, um, just wanted to create something different. So then with that said, what are some of the mistakes that you had seen make before and how can we work around that, prevent that or? I think largely in the, uh, the way that actors are used sometimes, <laughs> and I mean used. Right. Um, so creating that space where they're, they're, they're honored for their work, they're compensated for their work, they're taken care of, they feel loved and appreciated, and also that they have a voice. Mm. Um, so there are times, I mean, specifically, the last live show that I did with Red Accordion was All is Calm which is about the Christmas truce in 1914, mm -hmm. 1814. <laughs> What's 19, the right year? 1914. 1914. 1914. I was like, no way, that's all right. Um, 1914. And um, it, so there were, I think we had 13, 13 guys in the show, all acapella music um, with some spoken little monologues here and there. And, you know, you go into something like that, which is is very abstract. There's not a specific storyline that you can follow through it um kind of like the the musical the civil war um which my husband was in on broadway and that was the first broadway show that i saw also oh wow um so it, it's 
so it's that taking that abstract and this is like in any in any show that I'm directing, I can have an idea of what I want to do, but until I see the people and put them up on the stage, like I, I don't want to pigeonhole them into something that I had in my head or like this roadmap or whatever. I want to see what they bring because that's what that's the beauty of theater. Like that show that we did, All Is Calm, will never be again. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's there for that moment, for that time with those people. I can do the show again, which I would love to do, but it's not going to be the same. Right. And so I want to utilize the actors that I have in the best possible way and use what they bring to the table, um, whether that be you know, with their talents or abilities or their, their thoughts or their ideas. So that's something that maybe is a little different. What is one thing you didn't expect when you went started this business? Um, hmm. I, I'm not sure if there was a lot that I didn't expect only because of what led up to it. Right. Um, in terms of all of my years putting shows up and actually the same space. So the church, um, went to Grace Church in Lidditz and, um, they were allowing me to use the space for Red Accordion. Awesome. So I had, I was used to doing shows in that space and so that was something familiar, and I knew what my limitations were there and, you know, things like that. Um, I had gone through, like, the ticket selling process before, and I know Lancaster County is typical for buying tickets last minute. Or <laughs> Yes, it is. Yeah, so, you know, whereas I had hoped it might be different, like, I just I had to remind myself of that when tickets were on sale for especially the very first show, which was Smoke on the Mountain, and know that it will be fine. I will have an audience. It's just not gonna just not come. immediately. Yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something I didn't expect. I mean, it's not like there weren't surprises along the way, but nothing that was noteworthy or big enough right. for me to remember it, or maybe I just blocked it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I. Uh, then a, a different question. How did you decide what shows you wanted to put on? Uh, what was the reason? Did you have, ever have to do research or mm-hmm. I, I assume so? Yeah. So the first show that I did was Smoke on the Mountain, <laughs> which was the first, you know, my first first professional show. Um, you knew it in and out. Yeah. And by that point, other than doing several productions of it myself, I directed how many productions of it? Three productions before doing it for Red Accordion. So it was comfortable. It was familiar. Doesn't make it easy because that's a hard show having, Mm. you know, to play all the instruments, finding the right actors and then training them on the instruments if they don't know how to play them. Um, So that's that's why I chose that first show, because it's so special to me and is such it was a life changer for me. And um, I was excited to do that first. So that's why I chose that one. And in general, Red Accordion, like. So far, we've only really done ensemble shows mm-hmm. um, other than maybe like a couple of the online shows that we did that maybe had a few lead characters. But the in-person ones like we did, um, I did three in my first season and then had a second season planned, which was 2020. Right, of course. <laughs> so we had, I had actually, so the first year we did uh Smoke on the Mountain. And I think it was in September or October. And then follow. And so this is 2019. So the end of 2019, like these were all October was the first one. 
November, September. I don't remember. This is bad. Um, the next show I did was um, The Three Little Pigs. Yeah, that's right. I remember that one. The musical. Yeah, which was written by Drew's and Drew and Styles, who wrote additional music for Mary Poppins and uh, Honk. They think they wrote Honk. So great composers. The show so fun, so brilliant. Several LBC actors yeah. in that show. Um, so we did that. And then All is Calm was December. And had my season planned for the next year, most mostly. It was kind of funny because I look back and I remember not knowing exactly what I wanted to do and just really having trouble committing mm. to a season. And that's obviously a good thing because <laughs> what I had committed to, which wasn't an entire season, but that obviously didn't happen. Didn't happen yeah. But I had cast um, another TYA show, which is Theater for Young Audiences. So performed by adults, but for young audiences. Um, it was Polka Dots, okay. a musical. Um, and it was cast. And I'm trying to remember, I, because our read-through was done on Zoom. Mm. So it was March. March-ish, yeah. And I think we were being optimistic. So we did the read-through. And, um, <laughs> and then I was trying so hard to get the licensing company to allow me to do a virtual production. Mm. And at that time they weren't allowing it for that show. Um, since then <laughs> right, of course. it is allowed. Um, yeah. So that, that happened. It kind of um, halted things. I ended up giving up the rights to that show, but I kept the rights for the other show that I had planned, which is another actor musician piece and is an ensemble show which shall remain kind of nameless, but you can dig and figure it out. <clears throat> but um, I still have the rights for that show. I, it's this, The score is currently in on my piano. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's like I'm itching to do that one. I have been. It's just going to be, it's a tricky one. I'm excited to do it, but I have no idea when it will happen. Right. So, yeah, we moved to a couple online shows, which I did with kids, which um, didn't necessarily have a vision to do that. Um, but it just, I was seeing like these kids that wanted so badly, not that the adults didn't, but wanted so badly to be doing something and had everything taken from them. Right. And so I was like, I'm going to create, create this opportunity. So we did, um, the big one O online edition, uh, which we recorded on zoom and it was, I mean, it was so fun. It really was. And so everybody had their little space in their house and they had their, you know, their costumes and sometimes the music had to be played from their side oh. to sing with it. Sometimes they sent me recordings and then they were just lip syncing in videos like it's this whole thing. So I put them all together like they, there was choreography. Wow. They would send me videos and I'd put it all together in iMovie or not. I was using something different. But so there were big dance numbers and I don't do anything Tech. like, no, I don't. Oh, I yeah. won't. I won't do something if it's not going to be awesome. Gotcha. No, <laughs> it's not going to be excellent. No. Like I got to put, it's got to be good be or I'm not going to put yeah, it right. out there. So not that it was like the best ever, but it was really good considering it's what we had and yeah. was learning, you know, how to do all of those things. So we did that. And then we did a show uh, towards the end, like before the world opened up called um, super happy, awesome news, <sighs> which it was um, written for, I mean like during the pandemic and it's these for kids. The, yeah. Like okay. these kids 
the this uh, sister realizing like how upset her parents are, how much stress they have, how like everything she hears on the news is bad, and you know her sister's scared, and she's like, I'm gonna start something that makes people happy. So we're gonna do this radio show or whatever TV show called Super Happy Awesome News, and we're just gonna report on everything that's happy and awesome and super. So it really is. Um, you can watch it on YouTube, Red Accordion's oh, YouTube YouTube channel. So. Yeah, so it was it was a lot of fun, really a lot of fun. So as the world started opening up, do you have any uh, plans or what is to be what is next for Red Accordion Studios? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, largely <laughs> voice lessons, yeah. um, keeping that going, and some of my students are still virtual, so they've chosen that for the convenience of it, which is pretty nice um and I have you know a couple students that will be like hey can we do virtual today because I don't have time to drive to you or whatever um and and yeah so we've we've figured it out and um yeah I actually had one student that I never saw in person in my house I mean like I I know her like I've known her previously but um only ever taught her online so um anyway all of those things are happening the voice lessons but because so my son just graduated from high school and I was helping with costuming with his show um this past year they did Wizard of Oz and then he was in a dance show Hemfield does dance theater so I was helping with costumes for all of that um and then now like I think I'd mentioned in my bio about like managing the careers of my children so really that's kind of taken the priority right now Mm. um my daughter actually has a super big callback audition in New York City next week um and so it's just kind of like seeing how all of these things go and what kind of what our schedule looks like come fall and whether or not that allows me to be able to put up a show or not (laughs) so family kids are kind of coming first with the on the production side of things yeah that's awesome yeah I have a question Mm-hmm. What was it like to go from an actor to a director? That's a very good question. There was a it was there was a very specific shift to the very so again, history. The very first show that I put up, other than I was a student director on mm-hmm. To Kill a Mockingbird in college and uh staged the telephone, the opera. So my the director allowed me to do the staging. So all the blocking. So those were my first little like dip my toe in. Yeah. Kind of thing. And I enjoyed it, but I never thought like, I'm going to love doing this one day. (laughs) Did not, did not have that thought. Um, So when I got the job at the, at the Christian school, I, the first show that I put up was Pirates of Penzance. So putting up this show by myself, conducting the orchestra, um, obviously it's helpful when like I've had training in conducting and, uh, play the instruments. Um, but it was, it was that moment. And actually I joke that the first time I cry, well, not usually I'll have like one breakdown per show yeah. <laughs> one and it didn't happen. I don't think it happened with the red accordion show. It might've happened with smoke on the mountain. Like the whole, like people aren't mm. buying tickets thing. I'm failing. Um, and I didn't fail <laughs> in the business. Like even my tax lady's like, wow, the first year business, like 
this is awesome. Good job. <laughs> but, um, I, when the moment I like feel that satisfaction or like they've arrived, meaning my cast is when the audience laughs for the first time, mm. they laugh at my cat and I cry. <laughs> like they're, they're laughing at them. Oh, they're, they're funny. <laughs> It's working. So, but it was, yeah, it was like, you know, through that first time, that first show, realizing like, I'm, I think I'm getting as much, if not more satisfaction after seeing, and at the time it was kids, high schoolers and a few middle schoolers, seeing these kids on the stage than I do when I'm on the stage. Wow. So that was, that was kind of the shift. And I, I just love creating. And I do, I mean, I do... I do lots of things Yes, <laughs> like the, the joke that I'm like the gen of all trades, master of none. Like I love that's awesome. Yeah. Love <laughs> costuming. I do photography. Gen I do. Trades. Yeah. Like all of the, th- I love to learn new things. I love to learn. Mm-hmm. Actually, my dream, jo- dream job would be, do you know what a secret shopper is? No. So it's like someone that's paid to go into a store and buy something and then like report about their experience. Kind of oh, thing. okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So like my dream job, yeah, is to be like a secret student, mm. <laughs> like online classes or whatever that I take the class. So therefore I'm learning, but then I'm paid to give my feedback on how things went. So that's cool. Because then I'm, yeah, learning. I don't know if that's a thing, but. If anyone out there wants a secret student, <laughs> I'm available. Um, yeah, I also actually work for a an online ballet company for adults. So it's like an um, adults learning ballet. That's cool. And uh, I do content creation and graphic design and, um, yeah, design her merchandise. I'm actually doing a magazine for her right now. Um, so that's like my little part-time You're side gig. Plug, plug that? Um I, I, yeah, sure. It's Broche Ballet. It's called B R O C H E. So, yeah, Broche Ballet. It's ballet for grown. It's actually very cool. So, her, her motivation. And I identified with her so much that I was like, I want to do this part time job that she wants, even though it doesn't pay a ton. Right. Like, it satisfies that need for me to do be creative, yeah. but also learn because I've learned lots of things that I didn't know how to do. Like I didn't know how to design a magazine and I'm doing it. <laughs> um, and yeah. And, and so, you know, here she is like this woman and trying to make all this stuff happen, but she realized like adults that want to learn, there's no, there's no track for them. It's like, mm-hmm. go to this like open class or this drop-in class, but they don't get the, the curriculum Yeah, that, that kids get. And so that's what she's created. And she had in-person studios and then, you know, was kicked to online, of course, with COVID and then decided like, hey, this is what's working for me. So she did does that. And then she just did um, the first annual International Adult Ballet Festival in Miami, Florida. Oh, wow. And yeah, so that was like a huge life changing thing for her. And like, yeah, I got to design all the merch for everybody. So incredible. Yeah. So it's it was that's a fun, a fun thing. (laughs) So another fun thing is is trying to get children to learn. Mm -hmm. How did you manage to do that? There's there's sponges and they learn things faster than adults do. So it's true. Yeah. And it's funny when I was teaching um, all the different ages, like I was also teaching here. So in a given day, I'd teach like three year olds and then teach like a 20 year old Mm. and 
they're not all different. It's just like the enthusiasm level maybe changes a bit. But wow, did my like three and four year olds love opera. Loved it. Middle schoolers, not so much. Right. So yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm a, a, I a, can be a loud and very enthusiastic person. So just being a little crazy in the classroom and so what was the, some of the exercises that you would do, some of the trainings, the routines that to get limber into uh, singing? Um, well, actually, towards the end of my, my classroom teaching career, we'd go from the kids would go from school to rehearsal right after school. And sometimes it was hard to get them to like refocus mm. or focus on something different. They'd want to talk about their day or they would just, you know, start to crash and, you know, in that. 15 minute window right. in between. So I don't know why I didn't think about this earlier, but you've heard of just dance. Yeah. So you can find videos on YouTube of these things. Obviously you're not scored if you're dancing along with them, but I had a big projector in my room with a big screen. And so I would just put on a couple of those videos. And as the kids would come in, they would just get up and they'd start dancing. And so they were warming up their bodies and, you know, getting refocused onto what was going to happen. And it was like the perfect situation. The song would be over and be like, okay, here we go. And I don't know why I didn't think of that sooner. But that's really that smart. was one of my good ideas. And then another one, which I regretted a little bit after doing it, my middle school boys in particular <laughs> would not want to sing out. Mm. Go figure. Very odd, right? Middle school boys don't want to sing out. So I had the brilliant idea of getting them each a kazoo. <laughs> so I was like, that way, they're not singing, but they're, I mean, they're humming. Mm -hmm. They're, I know if they are learning the pitches and the rhythms and they don't have to feel self-conscious about what their voice sounds like or whether it's going to crack or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So then of course everybody wants, so every single student like in their little cubby with their choir folder had their own kazoo. Oh, that's awesome. But when you hear a choir of kazoos, like it's a little wild. Yeah. So yeah, those are some of the things I did. What's the differences between teaching like three to four year olds to teaching 20 uh, and then even older? Yeah. There's not much difference. No, not really. <laughs> it's, it's funny, I, the things that work well for both or, yeah, I mean, honestly, there's not maybe my level of enthusiasm or craziness changes with each age group a little bit, but mm. not a lot. I Because I was an athlete, um, I am very, like, singing is a whole body activity. For sure. And I joke with like my newer students in my studio like you know who has studied with me for the longest or for a while when I play like the first chord to start singing like you know vocal exercises and whatever that they immediately start moving or they'll grab like I have exercise bands mm. like uh therabands exercise balls like just never know what what I might make them do or pull out but it's very, very physical. So I think sometimes as we age, um, especially like, you know, junior high to high school, even afterwards, even like after college, like we become self-conscious, reserved. We stop that moving. I just heard, um, trying to think of who it was, uh, a, a famous dancer, and I can't think of who it was. 
but um, say when when did when did you decide that you're not that you weren't a good dancer? Mm. Because if you watch kids, like they just dance uninhibited, and yeah, they think they're great. So she's like, you know, and her point, it, kind of the same thing with singing. When did you decide you're not not a good singer or you can't sing? Because right. you know we're born. <laughs> doing that singing or a joke that my daughter came out that way scream singing right. <laughs> and yeah but it's it's that type of thing so just it's a lot of that's the psychology piece mm. as well so I mentioned like wanting to study medicine or psychology or music and God wrapped them all up in the guise of a voice teacher so it I mean, people come in, you don't know what they're coming from in their day, what just happened to them, what stresses they have, what, you know, anxiety, whatever. And it's not my intention to have them leave that outside, but to bring it in and to kind of work through it or use it and um, just kind of be in touch with all of that as we're working, because that's that's life, that's reality. Yeah. And what better way to work through difficult issues than singing your heart out yeah or yeah getting that anger pent-up tension out yeah and that's where like they'll start moving and be like oh my goodness like this hurts so so bad well that's because you know (laughs) because you're stressed yeah so it's crazy the uh whenever i start moving around for for whatever reason i'm like ow yeah (laughs) wow whoa what's going on there that's yeah that's aging yeah (laughs) something different every day for sure. <laughs> so I have some general questions, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. What? How has your faith been challenged or grown throughout your career? Hmm. I feel like all actors or performers <laughs> have that both aspects. Um, I don't know that my faith has ever been challenged, which hmm. is interesting, and kind of back to that chat we had about going from my Christian bubble to like regional theater world. Um, God has somehow protected me from any desire to do anything like bad or compromising or anything. I don't like, there's no other explanation other than God is just like, you know what, Jen, I'm going to protect you from all of that. And thanks God. (laughs) Um, I mean, obviously, just obvious faith growth from like stepping out into something that I, you know, you don't know if it's going to work. You don't know if it's going to fail or succeed. And you just have to trust that that's what God has been preparing you for or that he's placed for you for this time. And it may or may not work out how you thought it was going to, but there was a reason behind it, uh, you know, as evidenced, you know, in everything that I talked about today, like, you know, I didn't. Didn't know that, you know, not getting that Broadway gig was going to lead me into opening my own theater company or learning how to do graphic design and, you know, all of these things. Like, I never could have imagined that. I never could have imagined this, like, where I am right now in my life, partially because technology (laughs) changes. But, yeah, so just a constant, like, having to rely on God. Like, you know, I know you know what's best for me. This rejection really hurt. It really hurt. But again, what is this in light of eternity? And you just you keep going or you shift gears. <laughs> so what is uh, in light of that question? What is worship to you? How would you define that? <sighs> worship is is 
daily life. I mean, it, it's every every movement, every action. It's it's appreciating God's God's creation. It, being being an artist or a creative. Um, it's like when you ask for three words to describe what I do. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, I just throw like creative in there. I don't know what to call myself. Like, what do, how do I, I don't know. Um, just knowing, let me know, you know, our creator <laughs> created all of this stuff. So it's, it's innate in us. And so I feel like any, any creation, any spark of ideas is, you know, from God and it can be worshipful. It's, you, taking care of my children, which looks different now than it did 10 years ago. Sure. Um, that it's, it's all worship. It's all service. It's it, well, it can be, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for me, it is, it, it, it has to be. Yeah. So what is one thing that you know now that you wish you had known when you first started? That everyone brings something unique to the table that you shouldn't try to be like someone else because we already have that person. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, a Kristen Chenoweth or a, um, I don't know, Sutton Foster. We already have those people. So if, if someone wants a Sutton Foster type, they're going to cast Sutton Foster. <laughs> right. <laughs> of yeah. So, um, if you want a Jen Felty type, then cast Jen Felty. There you go. So yeah, kind of be yourself. What are three musicals that you recommend everyone should see? Mm, goodness gracious. Uh, I do not have favorites. I really don't. Mm. And I can find something to love about everything or learn from everything. Oh, my goodness. I guess I'd have to say Smoke on the Mountain. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's <laughs> at least one of them. But it's so funny. Like, I first watched a videotape of it, a, an actual VHS tape, and I... I was, I, I didn't, I was, I was wondering what in the world did I get myself into? Like before I went down to do the show. Oh, wow. And then I sat there in the audience to watch it, which you don't always have the, you don't always have that opportunity, but the show was running. So I had the opportunity to watch it and I laughed harder than I've laughed in my whole life. Like, and live theater, right? You have to see it live. Um, but yes, so that show, um, goodness i i don't know i just have to go with the ones that are somewhat recent for me all is calm all of the shows go see all go of the see shows all the shows i mean they seriously like we just yeah. saw anastasia that and i had i had no idea what to expect from it i kind of remembered the movie um yeah <laughs> it was i mean it was it was it was wonderful to see and just to see the plot lines and then be like, Ooh, that part's kind of like lame is. And mm. Oh wow. That's, that's like a lot like my fair lady. And that. <laughs> so just kind of comparing and identifying and getting ideas and being inspired. And that's what live theater is supposed to do. Start a conversation. Yeah. So last question, what was one of the most funny things that ever happened to you on stage or maybe one of the worst things that ever happened to you on stage? On stage. I don't, or during a show at all. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I really only have two two times that I remember that something went like it wasn't supposed to. And one was only like where I sounded like I cracked singing. 
and it definitely wasn't a crack. I mean, I guess you could characterize a crack this way, but it was um, in this show called Pirates and Pinafores, which was an original show at the theater I was working at, and it was um, all Gilbert and Sullivan material. Mm. So Gilbert and Sullivan and their producer, Doily Cart, were on stage creating each show, and as they would create each show, the show would appear, and then you'd see a few songs from each show, and then it'd go back to them at the piano creating... Yeah, so I played several of the ingenue roles, and one, and we were doing what they call a kitty matinee, which is a 10 a.m. show for kids, and I had to sing a high note and sustain it, which I did, but then Flem had something else in mind, mind. and so like Flem came through, cut off the sound, it cleared, and then the sound came back out again, so that was just like a weird, like I had no control over it, it was Flem, yeah, so kind of, it's, you know, not not the best thing when you're saying, you know, sustaining a high note and that happens. Um, the other thing was just when I was at the Ryman smoke on the mountain, you're on stage the whole time. I was sick and I, I have never been sick for a show before and was not sure if I could make it being on stage the whole time without having to run off and run to the bathroom. (laughs) And I, Oh my goodness. I ended up having to leave the stage, but it was during each character has a monologue. That's like an extended monologue, like a good five minute chunk of time. And it was in the second act. And my character was upset because we had got in trouble for dancing, which we weren't doing. Um, And so I came out for this act two and I was supposed to be upset anyway. So I just had to act my way through it and pretend like I was still upset and I had to go outside and whatever. (laughs) So I had to leave the stage. And then, you know, there I'm leaving my actors wondering if I'm coming back on and they're all sitting there thinking, okay, how are we going to cover for her for the next song? And I was able to make it back on and it was fine. But I think it was probably worse for them than it was for me. Right, of course. (laughs) Not knowing if I was going to show up again. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Other than playing a... KKK member in one of the shows that I was in. So that was, that was interesting. Also that show, it was called WMKS where music kills sorrow and it was a radio station. Really? And yeah, I was in the, the band for the radio station and my eyeshadow was like bright blue. So there's a moment where there's, you know, there's um, trouble happening and you know the band is the one who gets up the three of us go outside and check on what's going on and then all of a sudden three kkk members come in (laughs) so you could see my like bright blue eyeshadow through the holes in my hood yeah it was it was interesting that show it's it's interesting to see uh the show the showtime periods like ragtime or still in or uh ruby Mm -hmm. uh that musical yeah and just to see how weird it is i mean it's seeing having an eye for stuff in the past that actually happened yeah right and then having to wrestle with that because ragtime i think terminal stage is doing that yeah uh, coming up. Mm-hmm. it's a rough show to get through yeah there's yeah a lot of shows like that and it does kind of kind of bugs me when they try to change it mm. because things are different now they try to make it a little more politically correct or Whatever. And I'm like, that. but that's but that's what it was. Why can't we look at what it was and then have a dialogue about it? Right. Like it's part of it's part of history. This. Oh, they did that. Oh, how offensive that is. But at that time, it wasn't offensive. And what have we learned from this? Like, that's what 
that's what it's about. And we lose that when they're trying to try to make changes. And most of the time, those shows are made to point out that how exactly. wrong it was in the first place. You're, yeah. By by softening it, you're not only you're not only doing a disservice to history, mm-hmm. but you're you're taking away uh, the the tragedy and the and the point of the show. Yeah. Uh, because it was god awful. It was abhorrent. It it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You should have realized that when you went to that show. Right. Yeah. And that's where uh, I mentioned Polka Dots, the musical. It's it was written by two guys in their dressing room on Broadway. I don't know what show they were in, but it's about like the whole idea of segregation and like the whites only water fountain and mm. the blacks only water fountain and whatever. So, but in this show, it's. There's a girl, I may get this backwards, but a girl with polka dot skin that goes to a school, changes schools, and everybody at the school has square skin, like square Mm. shapes on their skin. So it's a way to, like, get kids to realize, like, hey, look at this. Isn't this silly that she can't drink from this water fountain just because, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like a a modern take on, like, yeah, teaching, teaching something historical. That's so interesting. Yeah. Well, hey, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Please be sure to check out uh, Red Accordion Studios if you want voice lessons. Or in... To see a um, show, hopefully someday. see a show. <laughs> Working it back up. With all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Be sure to check out tomorrow. I'm going to be having on a, a, an awesome guitar player called uh, Shane Spiel. He is the... the Quoted, I, grandfather, I guess, father or grandfather, I can't remember which, but uh, he start, he is the main guy behind the, the cigar box guitar movement. Awesome. Creating guitars out of what, he has some of the most incredible guitars. So cool. Some stuff made out of boat oars, out of skateboards, out of shovels. Nice. I could use them in some of my shows. That would be awesome. He's local. <laughs> so check, check him out tomorrow. It's starting at 10 o'clock, 10.30, that is, 10 o'clock. 10 30 o'clock <laughs> it's a great time it's a great time <laughs> but and if you want to check out uh all of our future guests and events please go to our instagram at the underscore story underscore podcast or facebook.com for slash the story Corey rosen if you want to listen to us on spotify apple whatever ch- just look up the story Corey rosen that's c-o-r-y-r-o-s-e-n and if you really want to support what i do please be sure to check out our merchandise on our Facebook and buy a shirt or hoodies and support the business. With all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll see you guys later. Bye.